99 Jams Community Matters. Good morning, everybody. It's your girl, Super Cindy, and we are back with Community Matters. And live in the studio, I have the president of the Miami-Dade branch of the NAACP, Mr. Ruben Roberts. Good morning, Ruben. Good morning, Cindy. How are you today? I'm amazing. So we got to get into a lot of things that the NAACP, Miami-Dade branch got going on. It's a lot. Yes, it is. You guys are busy. That's right. We're busy. First of all, explain what exactly is the task or the job or the duties of the NAACP. Well, the NAACP is the oldest civil rights organization in the United States. We've been around 1909. Mm -hmm. This is our actual 110th year. We were established on February. Thank you. Thank you very much. We were established on February 12, 1909. So uh, what we've done historically is just fight for the civil rights for for people, their Mm -hmm. civil rights. Uh, If your kid goes to a public school, today now, mm-hmm. and it's not a segregated school, you can thank the NAACP for that. Thurgood Marshall and others uh, were our, our lead attorneys that uh, fought for that Brown versus Board ruling mm-hmm. uh, as far as those things are concerned. You remember the incident that happened at Starbucks when those two gentlemen uh, yes. came out and we came on the scene and we actually trained all of those Starbucks folks in, in uh, racial sensitivity uh, and that sort of thing. How so, did that go? Well, I, mean, I haven't really heard an update after you guys did the the, the class, like yeah, teaching yeah. them what to do so, and how to act. So I think it was more about just to having more awareness and training and on a national level for folks to be aware because, you know, folks like to say since President Obama that we live in a post-racial society, but as you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll talk about some other things today, that is not <laughs> is not a post-racial society. So we, we wanted to make, make sure that we raise the level of consciousness of folks, make sure that they know that, they, that you know, we are people and we matter and that people need to be sensitive to our issues and our concerns as well. I love it. So let's start with, okay, what should we start with? There's like so much to talk about. Whatever you want to talk about, Cindy. Let's first of all talk about the incident that happened on Martin Luther King Day. Yes. With the kids that were representing Wheels Up, Guns Down. They were on their bicycles, not motorbikes, right? Right. They were on their their bikes. So they were on their bicycles. They blocked traffic on the bridge in Brickell. Right. And basically got into it. On video, we saw it with a woman, and then a man came and pulled out a gun. And so tell us a little bit about how the NAACP got involved with that situation. So when we saw that situation, we saw it... uh, publicized on social media and in the news. One of the things I did immediately is I reached out to the state attorney's office and shared with them the concerns that the community has mm-hmm. and that we really thought that this is something that should rise to the level of a hate crime. Well, before you go any further, when we first saw it on social media, um, basically the guy, he left eventually, and then they found, the police found him later on, right? The guy with the gun. Like, he was all plastered all over the news that people were looking for him. Right. So it was a series of things that happened. So mm-hmm. what, what, what was mostly shared on social media was when he got out of his car. Mm-hmm. But he was, racial, uh, he was uh, driving in the car before he got out of his car hurling racial slurs at these uh, young oh, people. Oh, I never saw who that the, part. Who had the right for uh, for assembly? That's in our amendments. You know, you have the right to assemble in a peaceful, excuse me, peaceful protest. So he did that. Uh, his wife or girlfriend came out of the car at one point, 
And she approached those young men. I think those young men had tremendous restraint because she got into their face. You know, she was like uh, almost pushing them and taunting them and that sort mm. of thing. I'm surprised that it didn't escalate to something right. because now this social media young people right. um, age, they'll they'll throw a fist to right. whoever. <laughs> right, right. But I think they, and they, they had to be commended for that because they showed mm. a tremendous amount of restraint. And then the gentleman came out, well, out for lack of a better term. And with his gun in hand, the male, uh, yeah, the male, uh, <laughs> saying hurling racial slurs with at this young man, uh, these young men with a gun in his hand. Now the irony of this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wheels up, guns down uh, was uh, was developed to really uh, address the, the 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 shootings and that sort of thing. It was a it was supposed to be like a counter effort to uh, young people killing each other. Mm-hmm. So. This organization was based on nonviolence, right? Peace, exactly. And here, here you have this person who gun. comes comes in addressing these youth with a gun and hurling racial slurs on Martin Luther King uh, Day. So you know the irony of this whole situation. So we really uh, uh, supported, the, you know, reached out and made sure that it, you know our voices were heard about making sure that this charge was filed. Now the thing that a lot of folks didn't understand, I'm glad we have an opportunity to clear it up, mm-hmm. is that when a lot of folks don't know how the law works. So the hate crime isn't a charge by itself. It's an enhancement of the charge. Added charges. Right. Right? Enhancement. Oh, so you have mean? to be charged with a crime first. To get charged with a hate crime. For them to offer the enhancement oh. of the hate crime. So mm-hmm. people were, were up in arms and saying, why do they only charge him with possession of a, a weapon and this, that, and this sort of thing? Well, they had to charge him with something. And then after they charge him, they had to investigate. The hate crimes unit from the state attorney's office investigates. They found probable cause that charge him not only with a hate crime but also with three additional two additional felony charges so that happened um, recently and now we're just hoping that this this uh, that he's convicted on those charges do you think that if it wouldn't have made it to I, I have a two-part question yeah. do you think that if it wouldn't have made it to social media it would have been gone this far like him getting arrested or whatever or like he would have probably got away if if they weren't recording and it wouldn't have spread like wildfire on social media right so so there's another incident that happened. I'm going to tie the two together where uh, we were working with the uh, Lieutenant Webster of the City Miami Fire Department mm-hmm. who uh, found his family photos to face with a noose, yes. noose hung over it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so uh, there were six firefighters involved, uh, six lost their jobs. Four of those firefighters, and we were we were instrumental in NAACP, Miami-Dade branch, and the NAACP was instrumental in that, too, mm-hmm. uh, because originally uh, the there were no charges filed. They were just they, suspended or investigated. No, no, no. They were fired, but there was no charges. The charges are filed by the state attorney's office. Mm-hmm. So there were no charges filed. And we called, I called the state attorney's office and said, listen, we need to take another look at this. And they graciously, I thanked them. They, they, they reopened the case. And now they've charged uh, four of the six firefighters. Now, they couldn't charge. Even though that noose was on the picture, they couldn't charge. Yeah, they couldn't charge any of the firefighters because the firefighters uh, confessed to drawing on the photos, defacing the photos, but no one confessed to the noose. So to your point about the the incident being on MLK Day, Mm -hmm. the incident being uh, uh, video recorded, right? If we don't have evidence, even though we know what happened, Mm -hmm. it's hard for in a court of law 
for someone to be charged with those events. Uh, so those incidents. So I, I am glad that someone did record it. Mm-hmm. So you had physical evidence instead of somebody saying this is their word against your word. You have actual physical proof that this has happened. And I was confused with the whole firefighter situation because one of the firefighters was black. I'm like, well, or was he Latino black? Yeah, a Latino black, but you're still black. But I'm Latino black and I'm a Latina black. And right. hello, I'm not going to go put a noose in, not to say he did, but I'm just saying like, well, again, black is black. Black. <laughs> is black but there's a whole culture mm. and you know you have some folks and we can have this conversation you have some that's folks that's another whole show that's Ruben. a whole nother show <laughs> we got Boy, things to talk we about we got like. a whole lot to talk about but I was going to ask you too the second part of my other but the question that I said was the fact that if the NAACP doesn't get involved a lot of these situations get deaded at a certain point until you step to the state attorneys or whoever the authorities and express to them like hey this is consistent considered this or that like you guys highlight you guys are our voice because the average citizen doesn't know like okay they can get in more trouble or different charges can be right brought so one of the five most powerful letters you have are the NAACP and and yes we we are advocates for our community we want to make sure that we advocate uh, for our community, and 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 we're an organization that is respected. We're like I said, we're 110 years old, so we're respected not only locally or but on a national level. But there are other organizations that get involved too. Okay. Uh, just so I don't want to dismiss the fact that there yes. are others that are getting involved. But yes, we'll get involved. And for folks who have a civil rights complaint or concern, they can call one eight seven seven N O nine. And uh, you can just leave your message there and we'll have someone uh, follow up with you within the, uh, 48 hours. But, yeah, we, we want to definitely uh, make sure that we fight for the rights for our people. And definitely. the situation could be a small situation. It doesn't have to be like it's on the news and social no. media spread. It would help that you have some type of physical evidence with what you're trying to complain about, correct? Right, Not right. complain. I don't want to so, use that word. Uh, report. So yeah. one of the things I just want to be clear, like, mm-hmm. we don't represent people uh, on that level, mm-hmm. but in terms of, like, in the courtrooms or that sort of thing, but we do have a legal uh, redress uh, committee uh, headed by Christopher Benjamin, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, those 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 legal issues, we can give you guidance, like we okay. did with the firefighters and like we've done on several other occasions uh, with these uh, youth and that sort of thing. Uh, we also have issues we cover issues if you have housing issues. We have Daniela mm-hmm. Pierre uh, that can give you some advice and and guide you. Or if we need to make a call to your tenants, your landlords, or, or that sort of thing to advocate on your behalf, we do that. We deal with environmental justice. Uh, we deal with the criminal justice system, all of those things. So we advocate in those areas and many more. So that's why we encourage you to uh, continue to support the NAACP. If you're not a member, you need to become a member. Uh, you can dial that same number I gave you and they'll mm-hmm. find out how to become a member. And I have my I have your membership application here today, too. Okay, Cindy. I'll be filling it out. <laughs> well, right. What does it mean to be a member? What does that mean? So we want we need a couple of things. One mm-hmm. of the things I think we lost sight of is that in the 60s, you know, we did a lot of social advocacy and that sort of thing. We we uh, we did the marches. We did all of that. So there are issues that came like, for example, there there was an issue that came up with our kids. Our kids is a, uh, you know, like a foster care agency mm-hmm. uh, that that mm-hmm. deals with the issues with the kids, so uh, with the youth mm-hmm. and in in that system, the Department of Children and Families. Okay. Well, recently they were up uh, for bid between our kids and um, 
and the um, uh, Citrus Health Network. Our kids is now headed by uh, a black man by the name of Mike Williams who come in. They haven't been perfect throughout the years, Mm -hmm. but they've made some changes. But just recently, uh, we had a community meeting where people can come in and support uh, our kids and um, and uh, versus uh, Citrus Health, mm-hmm. and our kids lost that vote from five uh, by five votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it still has to be finalized by uh, the the uh, folks in Tallahassee mm-hmm. uh, to determine who will get the contract, the lead contract. But these are things that you know we pick up the uh, we advertise it on our Facebook page, or uh, we uh, come on your radio station and say, hey, we need the masses out there. That's what we need to have the masses out there to advocate for us. Why? Because in the in the um, in this example of the um, in the foster care system, we are largely represented in that system, just like we are in the criminal justice system, right? Mm-hmm. So we need people who understand us, who are culturally sensitive to our issues and our needs. I feel that the leadership in our kids right now they have that. But we didn't show up in, in the numbers that we showed up in good numbers, but we didn't show up in enough numbers to let the folks know that this is who we want to take that. So those issues and many other issues, uh, why we need to make sure that we have advocacy and when we put a call to action out, mm-hmm. have people respond. And what about the young? We need young members on the NAACP. Most definitely. What is the age group of like your young members? Yeah, so we have a young adult committee mm-hmm. uh, that just had a, an event at Nomi's on uh, Saturday night, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's led by a young lady by the name of Nandy Goffrey, who was mm-hmm. on fire. She's mm-hmm. brought in a lot of young folks. We need that young energy. Just like anything else, NAACP is a legacy organization. So you need to pass a baton to younger advocates who want to go out, who has the installation of a national organization that can help teach them, guide them about how to do the social justice advocacy and that sort of thing. So we welcome young folks with new, bright ideas and that sort of thing. We meet on the third Mondays of every month, unless there's some sort of holiday or that sort of thing, at New Way Baptist Church, uh, 16800 Northwest 22nd Avenue. And again, you can call us at one eight seven seven N NAACP09 if you need any information about upcoming events or activities that we're doing. So let's move on as far as the topic goes and talk about Amendment 4. It passed when we voted for it. That's right. So that the felons, a.k.a. returning citizens, are able to vote. There was about 1.4 million felons that were not able to vote, and now they will be allowed to vote. So there's a voter's registration for them. Right. So we've been doing voter's registration all throughout the month. Uh, of February for Black History Month, mm-hmm. uh, and we continue to do um, 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 our voters registration. In fact, we just uh, we did a voters registration in conjunction with the uh, state attorney seal and expungement mm-hmm. program that happened on uh, the 28th of, of February, the end of Black History Month at uh, Shabadi Village in, in Opelika. Uh, and I'm sure year, that that um, the outcome of that was... Yeah, it was well attended. Yeah. And so the next one we have coming up uh, will be at the uh, Celebration of uh, Vision Women, uh, Visionary Women. It's going to be on Saturday, March 30th, uh, 2019 at uh, 2 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the North Dade Regional Library. That's 2455 Northwest 183rd Street. Uh, so if you if you need any additional information about that, again, uh, dial one uh, dial eight seven seven six two 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 seven zero nine, and that's eight seven seven NAACP zero nine. So so they can go 
um, register to vote as well at this um, celebration of Visionary Women event? Most definitely, and it's okay. important for us to it's important for us to register these uh, 1.4 million. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of that one point. That's throughout the whole state. Yeah. I don't know how many of them are in Miami, but I know a substantial amount are in Miami. Listen, if we had that 1.4 million. Uh, voters, Mayor Gillum would be the governor Uh-oh. right now. It, it makes a difference in our voters' outcome. So if you have a family member that you know as an ex-felon and they have a... a, a of a you, nonviolent crime, right? I don't know about uh, whether the crime has to be nonviolent. I don't think it could be like a uh, a murder charge or, or anything. Or child like, abuse or, or, or child anything abuse, like right. But yeah. you might have had a violent crime, but you definitely can't have that murder charge or that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so that I know for sure for that. But what we want to do is make sure that these ex-felons, uh, these returning citizens, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I'd rather call them returning citizens, we want to make sure that they're registered to vote so they can make a difference in this 2020 election that we got coming up. So NAACP is a nonpartisan organization. We can't tell you who to vote for, but mm-hmm. we know that your vote counts, and we want to make sure that we can activate as many of those for people who are eligible to vote. Now, I want to share with you, it's a, little, it's a little snag in there right now because the governor is saying that we need to clear up some things. So if there's some restitution that needs to be paid, we don't know uh, what the process is. Well, should they be registered to vote and that sort of thing? Well, right now, that, that part is being sorted out this year, this legislative cycle. And hopefully... Uh, you know, uh, but but the folks who are returning citizens can still register right now. They have not been told that they cannot register. You can still register to vote, and we encourage everyone, if you have a family member, if you know someone who's a returning citizen, that you get them out to register to vote so they can exercise their right to vote. Wait, so they're saying that if they owe money? That they want to they clear up all of the whatever the things that are tied to their case. And so that's one of that's one of the issues. But there are a couple of more issues that mm. that they brought up as well. They'll so, always find something. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, the people have spoken. People yeah, have, uh, people have uh, substantially supported uh, this uh, Amendment Four. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're looking at some of the things because they understand the repercussions of having these 1.4 million uh, register uh, people registered to vote. They understand it will change the dynamics of the politics in South Florida. I mean, Florida. Definitely. And that's 1.4 million in Florida alone. In lo- right. That's insane. That's most definitely. So let's talk about also um, <clears throat> this situation is crazy. We were talking about this before we got on the air, that Florida is leading in the transfers of youth to adult jails. Right. Like, please go further, because I know I'm saying it's so broken right, up. Right, right, right. No, no, not you're the doing it perfectly. You're, you're doing it perfectly. So <laughs> people know that the terms are uh, waived or direct filed or transferred to uh, adult jail. So uh, 19 in the 1980s, uh, Florida was like one of the, uh, 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 the, the, the trendsetters for mm-hmm. transferring youth in uh, large numbers to adult uh, jails. And so these transfer of youth happened where youth had uh, accumulated uh, several felony charges or offenses of that sort of thing. And then if you remember in the 1980s, I don't know, you you probably wouldn't. You I wouldn't. wasn't even born. Yeah, you weren't even born then, right? <laughs> so in the 1980s, it was the height of the crack epidemic, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these youth were involved in crimes of economics. Mm-hmm. So there were times and places and spots in, in Miami you would go to, you know, that would, if you saw New Jack City, it was like that, mm-hmm. you know, you. but they didn't have the, the high rises. People would run to your car and they would be selling these drugs or what have you. So a lot of these young folks were out there 
trying to make a living, supporting their families and whatever, and they would rack up these felony charges, right? They weren't killing anybody. They weren't robbing people or anything like that. They were just trying to survive. They were, mm-hmm. you know, contributing to the, the problems and so as what drugs contributes to families. But they were doing that to survive, right? Those kids racked up charges, and then they ended up going to adult jails. Uh, and what happens when you take, when you put a youth who developmentally is not uh, mature enough and not understanding adult. right to uh, in a situation where you have hardened adult criminals? I mean, that's just not the place for them to be. Uh, I'd rather see those youth uh, go through the juvenile justice system, uh, be referred to programs that can treat them and give them the proper um, um, uh, treatment that they need from a mental uh, health perspective, from uh, from a perspective of them, uh, educational perspective, or just just from an emotional health perspective as well. So those things are, are very much needed. But what you'll see and why this is so very important is that there is a disproportionate number of black Black youth that are going into those adult jails. So now the the, the the youth transfers to adult courts has substantially has fallen through over the years. So okay. 2019, we have definitely fallen from where we were in the 1980s, right? Mm-hmm. But the number of black youth being transferred is still extremely high, disproportionately wow. high. When you say youth, what what do you mean? Like 16 or like what is the... In Florida, we had some as young as 10. Now, that has definitely changed. Ten years, ten, ten years old, we've had them. Going to an adult jail at ten, 10? 10 years old, that's right. Uh, depending on the level of the crime. Now, I want to say this, and just a disclaimer, the NAACP does not uh, uh, support any level of criminal activity, especially any violent or heinous type of crime. Of course. But you have some kids that, that, that commit those type of crimes. And then they will— and if they're you, young. Right, and they're young. So if you do a, 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 a criminal— Activity like murder, that you're going to be waved right over to the adult court anyway. Mm-hmm. But what the, uh, James Bush, Representative James Bush, is putting in his legislation now, because the state attorney has the sole discretion to do that now. But what they want is to have a judge to look over the case so they can see does this young kid have the ability to rationalize and understand uh, the cause and effect of whatever it is that they're doing? You know, uh, if they if they are mature enough to 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 be in an adult uh, system and that sort of thing, so. It's, we would like to have a judge to assess and look at this kid's case in its entirety, look at what's going on, how this kid was faring at home, what kind of living conditions, what, what's going on in that kid's, uh, in that kid's family system mm-hmm. to make sure that they make the proper uh, placement because that kid may need more of treatment than they do uh, uh, incarceration. If you look at the, the drug ec- epidemic back then in the crack era, it separated and destroyed so many black families. Now you had a heroin era where yeah. more white people were affected, right? But now they figure that they can treat, let's, let's refer them to treatment versus locking them up. Opioid, because you're right, yeah. the opioid. <laughs> so you know that that's the best thing for them. They need to be treated. They need to be, get uh, some sort of treatment. And, and and I think that uh, having the judge, I support this bill that uh, Representative James Bush is putting forward because I think that this is something that will be able to, to help these kids out. And, and the other last thing, when a 16 to 17, 18-year-old gets that felony charge, that's like a life sentence. Mm-hmm. When that kid gets out of jail, uh, you know, trying to find a job, it's hard enough for black folks to find a job right now. But you put that felony on you, it's hard for them to get employment and that sort of thing. So we'd rather have these kids 
package, uh, make sure that they can be uh, served by the juvenile justice system instead of having them going over to the adult courts. Wow, this is so. Where, where can they find more information on this initiative and the initiatives that you spoke about? So, just go to the Florida uh, um, um, uh, legislative website, mm-hmm. hit on uh, Representative James Bush, mm-hmm. and look for the legislations that he has. He has okay. a couple of those legislations, but uh, look on that legislation. You can also go to uh, the Southern Law, uh, Southern Poverty Law Center's uh, website, mm-hmm. and there's a coalition called. Uh, um, no place for our child, mm-hmm. uh, and the NAACP is also part of that coalition. So you'll find that information there at those two uh, those two places. And again, they're looking for members to join the NAACP. Now, Most if you're definitely. a young person with some new blood, new ideas, That's and right. you want to express yourself and bring that to the NAACP, or if you're you know right. middle aged, old, whoever, we whoever. just need representation to help support these initiatives. The number to call is 877-NAACP-09. That is correct. And do you, are you guys on, you, you said you're on social media, Facebook. Yeah, we're on Facebook. Give so, all that information. Yeah, so if you're looking for us on Facebook, you just look for Miami-Dade Branch, uh, then uh, Miami-Dade Branch NAACP. You Google Miami-Dade Branch, you'll see our Facebook page, you'll see our website, you'll see all of that information. And we're very active on our social media uh, for the Twitter Facebook, uh, Instagram, just type in Miami Day Branch of the NAACP and you'll find us and we'll you'll see a lot of the work that we're doing in the community. All right. We've been speaking to the president of the Miami Day Branch of the NAACP, Mr. Ruben Roberts. Ruben, thank you so much for stopping by. Your girl Super Cindy, Community Matters, ninety nine jams.